We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. This don't have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man gonna dominate. Boys, Offense, defense, special teams. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Hey, 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 welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul with my co-host tonight, Tommy Avance. And we are here to break down a couple things that are really, well, shall I say, in our crawl. To say the least, it's going to be a bit of a high-flying, high a fired-up day upon uh, in Rams Talk land. I'm, I can tell you one thing, I'm fired up. I can't, get, I can't even get my words straight, Tommy. I am just fired up. How you doing? Yeah, it's a wonderful day today. We got some great stuff to talk about. A lot of stuff went down. 
on Twitter the last couple of days and specifically today. Um, so it gave us a lot of material for tonight. I think it's going to be really fun. I didn't even need the material. I, I was good to go. I was ready. I was, I, I was prepped, man. I had this whole podcast ready to roll, and all of a sudden, we have happy time on Twitter. Blocks galore. People getting blocked left and right. Everybody just randomly to block, 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 block button. I don't know what to say, man. I don't know what to say. You know, some people like to, you know, run from an argument, especially when they find themselves in the crosshairs of reality, right? So, yeah, it's hard to face the truth sometimes. Yep. We'll get into it. Uh, Before we we do get into it, we do want to let you know that our episode, our show, is sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book, Hollywood's Teen. We also want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. You can find our podcast listed with clutch points. They feature an awesome app that puts loads of NFL and NBA information at your fingertips. You can check them out at clutchpoints.com or download the app. Also, don't forget to subscribe. Leave five-star reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out. We have Three shows on our network right now. Us here at Rams Talk Radio. We have Budding Heads with Stephen Johnny and Tommy's show, the Rated R podcast, Rams Uncensored. Is it Rated R still, or are you guys moving up the ladder? No, it's Rated R. It'll be that way forever. <laughs> rated R. So, also, eventually, Norm Hightower will have his new show, though, folks, on breaking down film. So, we got a lot going on here. We got a different flavor for everybody. Check it out. And we still have that contest going on for 200 five star reviews. Okay, so first things first, I want to head this over to you. Real quick, you got some stuff going on with the t-shirt and a pool party. Break it down for us. While we're working on that as we speak, I got to get the, you know, final uh, details squared away. But it looks like we're going to have some t-shirts available for the Rams Twitter pool party. We're going to give some away for our contest and trivia that we're going to have. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great time. We're looking forward to it, man. And you are you are selling them, right? Yes. Some of them will be part of the contest. They'll be given away, but yeah, the rest of them will be for sale. Small through extra large are twenty dollars a piece, and two X to five X would be twenty two dollars. There you go. Okay, the pool party itself is on what day, and who's invited? It's Saturday, uh, July twenty seventh, and. How it worked out is um, some of them were selected randomly and a lot of them were selected by engagement on Twitter with all of us. So the people that are on there that are local that engage the most um, put on the list and, and able to bring one guest each. And then we've had people reach out that are not local that are interested in either flying out or driving quite a few hours to get here and i said if you're willing to do that you are absolutely invited so there we go man who are some of the characters you expect to see there if you don't mind telling us um i'm hoping to see um you know rob m laker ram man hector andy you know sly the guys we engage with um the most on there drew everybody that's who I'm looking forward to see the most. I haven't met a, um, a lot of those guys. I met Drew a couple times. He's a great dude. Um, but, yeah, just looking forward to get the banter off social media and in person will be a lot of fun. All right, so in the meantime, moving on, we also have a couple of things we want to talk about. First, the NFL fan study that came out this week that rated the Rams in last place. 32 out of 32 teams. 
my instant response is, you have to be kidding me, right? Uh, you took this thing apart, though. What can you tell us about this study, and, and what are your thoughts overall about it? Well, I mean, like I said, I feel bad for anybody who tried to pull this off because, you know, he only used three variables. You could have used ten and dove into it a little bit more, and you still would have got beat up for it. Like like I think we talked about before, you know, I wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole. It's just a no-win situation because there's so many variables involved on how people become fans of sports teams. And, you know, growing up in a the second largest media market and living here my whole life in Los Angeles, I've seen how bandwagon people can be and i've talked to a lot of people over my lifetime about how they became a fans of these teams that they've never even lived or been to those cities right but they grew up in los angeles their whole lives even when there was two teams here they were wearing teams of play you know like the steelers packers cowboys the list goes on and these people have no Allegiance. They just picked those teams because those teams were good. Growing up in the blackout NFL era, you how the the blackout rule used to work is if you live within four hours of that said stadium and the stadium is not sold out, they will not they will punish the fans and not put it on local TV because you didn't show up. That was that was I used to call it the punishment rule, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just the way it was. So growing up in Los Angeles, I never saw the Rams play in Anaheim the whole time they were playing there because we couldn't afford to go to the games. And my family just wasn't really into, like, taking you to sporting events, you know. So we just didn't go. And so I didn't see the Rams until they were the St. Louis Rams, you know. So there you go. I mean, that's just one variable of how people pick teams, you know, picking teams because they're a winner and you want to fit in and you want to be a part of the cool crowd and a follower and not a leader. A leader would pick the team in their market that they grew up in and just bear with it no matter how terrible the team was over the history. That's why I'm a huge, I love the Cleveland Browns fans because historically their franchise has been bad and the Rams have spurts over decades at a time where they're good for a little bit. And then they're terrible for a long time, so I can relate to them. So I have a lot of respect for, you know, fans like that. And they're not even on this list, you know. It, it, they're at the they're lower down there, right? What were they, 20 in the 20s? They're down there, yeah. The Browns, the Chiefs, these are fan bases which I think are among the most rabid in the league. Yeah, and they're down there at the bottom. It doesn't make sense but, to me at all. Yeah, they're at 27. So, I mean, let's pick apart... <clears throat> The categories, right? Fan equity, right? We just talked about that. Fan equity. What do I? What do I hear when I when I you listen to that phrase? Fan equity. I hear bandwagon. That's what I hear. Second category. I hear social equity. Super bandwagon, right? I want to be as cool as everybody else, so I'm going to wear a team of, you know, a jersey of a winning team because people are going to pat me on the back for that instead of walking around. Growing up in L.A. wearing a Rams jersey, people look at you and go, you're a Rams fan? And I'm like, look at them like they're insane. Like, dude, are you kidding me? What? Why wouldn't I be a Rams fan? Are you kidding me right now? Like, that, that stuff drives me crazy. And then road equity here. I'll dig into this one a little bit. So, Los Angeles is also a transplant city, right? 
so are cities, especially like San Diego. Everyone wants to give, you know, the Chargers over time, you know, of their stadium getting taken over. And I've been there and seen it in person a lot, right, over the years. I've been to a lot of Charger games. And it's a, it's a military town with a lot of transplants there that grew up in other places, you know. And people also love to travel these are now the fans that actually travel like say you grew up in pittsburgh you're a steelers fan and you want to go to san diego because it's beautiful and go to sea world and go to mexico for the next day and make a little vacation out of it who doesn't want to do that right so yeah, you're gonna you're, for tampa and, and miami and they'll do it for la and mm-hmm, absolutely but those fans okay i get they they do fall into the road equity but for the people that grew up here, look, I've been going to the Coliseum for the last three seasons. I literally go around in the parking lot with a fake microphone in my hand. It, I cut the cord off a real, like, little kids play microphone, which is hilarious because they're stupid and they talk into it, which is part of the joke, by the way. Yeah. That's how p- dumb people are. And I hammer them into telling me, you know, I, go, you know, I warm them up and say, how, how did you become a fan of the Packers, right? And they start, you know, telling me the story, and okay. And then I ask them their name at the end of the fake interview and where they're from, you know. And or I'll, or, you know, and then they'll say, "Oh, I'm from West Covina, which is like 20, 30 minutes away." And I'm like, "Of course you are, you bandwagon piece of trash." And I would laugh at them and walk away, and everybody clowns on them. It's like all <laughs> part of the joke, right? Just hassling the opposing fans, especially the ones who grew up here, because they make me sick. And what else do i mean oh we get them on the way out too when they're when they're like taking the walk of shame i'm like oh have a nice flight back to wisconsin you know have a safe travels and they're like we're from here and i'm like of course you are you piece of trash you know because it's just it's frustrating you know and these are old talking about the ones that are kids that grew up here that didn't have a team I, I get that man they're just gonna pick their own team off of their favorite color or whatever the case may be or the teams that are good that they see on tv you know, and their parents aren't directing them in, in, you know, to the right path to root for the team, you know, that's that's here. We have two teams now, you know. And I've seen people switch to the Rams from other teams. I've seen 49er fans that grew up here. Even my own brother-in-law switched from the 49ers to the Rams two seasons ago. He, he threw away his jerseys and he said, I grew up here, this is my hometown, and I want to root for the team here. I just thought that was really cool that he did that, you know. Well, I, I look at it this way. I don't fault the people who grew up between 1990 and 2015 or so. I don't fault those people for having different teams because their team was gone. They had to pick somebody. I don't have a problem with that. It's, and those that stayed with the team, great. I stuck with them, even though, but I had a different reason than you did, obviously. You were really loyal. You were hometown loyal. You stuck with your team. Many other people did. Uh, but I look at the older generation, and I can also understand to a degree why they would switch off because their team left them and they're going to have a different perspective the newer fans the younger fans the ones who really didn't have a team the ones who been kind of just going along with players and they still don't pick the rams or the chargers i guess i think that's kind of annoying to me but the problem i have with things like this is they are completely incapable of taking into account the culture of a city and town like you just laid out. 
Yeah. They can't take they can't take into account the factors that you can like you mentioned Cleveland. Cleveland's not had a winning team, a playoff team since 2002. They've had over 25 starting quarterbacks during that time frame. Yet the Browns, we mentioned before the show started, the Browns have Browns backers everywhere around the country. You will find somewhere if you're in Tampa, you're going to find a bar in Tampa, probably more than one, where Browns fans are meeting. Cincinnati, my buddy, my buddy goes down, goes down to Slates, down in Cincinnati on Sundays, watches Browns, the Browns backers. These are great fans, yet where are they ranked in that poll? Down there at the bottom. It's, it does not take those things into account. It doesn't take into account a lot of different things, and that's kind of the impossibility of putting one of these polls out. And Really, in the end, it feeds the trolls, too. We had, you know, there's one very famous St. Louis troll who you've had in your show who immediately saw this and, and retweeted three times on his Twitter feed just to poke at the L.A. fans. Yeah, and it's not really, it's not, to me personally, it's not a, it's not attack on the L.A. fans. It's attack on the franchise and everywhere they've played, right? And they played recently in St. Louis, too. And I was in St. Louis at games, and I could walk around and sit in almost any chair I wanted to the last five years they were there because there was no one there that in the stadium. I, I saw it firsthand. So it's not just, you know, it's it's the franchise. And the fact that the franchise look at look at these teams that are on here, let's go back to the the winners, right? You got the Cowboys, the Patriots, Eagles, Steelers, and the Giants all at the top, right? Okay. So, what do they all have in common? Just give me give me an example. What do you the think Eagles, they have in common? The Patriots, the Giants, they've all Steelers won, and Cowboys. They've all won Super Bowls in the last, except for Dallas. Dallas hasn't won one in twenty plus years now, but almost all those teams have won Super Bowls in the last fifteen years. Yeah, they also have one thing in common too. They've never moved out of their cities. That's a great point too. You know, they've never moved. They've always stayed there. So. You know, they stayed pad. The Rams moved from Cleveland to Los Angeles to St. Louis to Los Angeles. So going through that transition, you're you're picking up fans all over, but you're also losing fans all over. So it just, yeah, it's it's bad. So that's one thing they have in common. Another thing they have in common that if you look over the history of their franchises, whether it's present um, recent success or past success, they all have that in common as well. Okay? So you're going to get that bandwagon factor too. If the Rams start winning Super Bowls and are constantly in the playoffs every year like they've done so far with Sean McVay, you're going to see the bandwagon come out. Man, you remember the greatest show on turf when they won the Super Bowl? Dude, you saw, I saw Rams jerseys everywhere I went. Oh, it was just hilarious. And they had the tags hanging off of them still. Okay? <laughs> I, so I don't want to. Everyone's bandwagon. Just like I said before, people's sports fandom is like music fandom. It's it's lazy, right? They just want to be cool. So whatever's on TV, most people are going to follow it because most people are sheep. There's not a lot of us leaders out there that are just going to stay put, right? And just be like, this is who I am and this is what I love. And if you don't like it, I don't care. I can't tell you how many times over the, that brief period where the Great Show on Turf, I was called a bandwagon. I was called everything. And I was sitting there thinking, are you, are you bananas? 
are you serious? I've been with this the whole time. I just lived through the 90s, man. Are you, are you serious? You don't know me. And, I mean, I actually tell you what. I was I was on board. I was out to sea. And I was in the Navy time. We were on an operation. I was watching the Super Bowl down in the birthing. I mean, we're out to sea. I was the only person in the birthing cheering for the Rams. Everybody else was cheering for the Titans. I was alone, man. I was all alone. And these dudes are calling me a bandwagoner. Yeah, I got away with it back then because I didn't get called bandwagon because I'm walking around Los Angeles. You know, I'm not a big Jersey guy, and I when they changed to the navy and gold, I, I I could not purchase any of that gear. I just didn't like that color scheme. It was horrible. It has nothing to do with the franchise being in St. Louis. If they were in L.A. and they changed to those colors, I would have lost my mind. So it doesn't make a difference to me. I just hate the color gold. I think it's tacky. It's not. I'm not a fan of it. Um, but I wore Los Angeles Rams T-shirts and hats around Los Angeles. So when people saw me, they knew I wasn't bandwagon because they weren't the Los Angeles Rams anymore. So it was kind of a little. You can't call me a bandwagon, and it worked. So what's your final analysis of a study like this? Don't do it because you're digging a hole you can't get out of. You're, no matter. I would have dug so much deeper and there would have probably been 15 variables in subject matter and i still would have got hammered i'm telling you i would have missed a lot because there's so many people out there that are you know what about this what about that and i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go that's a great idea and you add it and before you know you got 50 categories right so this is a no-win situation so my advice to anyone out there in the media if you're writing an article like this, you're doing it for clicks, and that's what you got. So good for you, but this is a bad one. I mean, there's, there's no way around it, man. You cannot win this. You are going to get hammered and hammered and hammered with, with a study like this. Pretty much every team below, I'm guessing, top 10 is going to have a grievance plus a, a couple in the top 10. So I just there's just no way around it. You can look right now, just off the top of my head, and think, Browns and Chiefs especially, you could think, man, you have to be kidding me. And there's all there's stories on the Rams. We could talk about the issue with the Rams all along. Is it fair the Rams be 32? Probably not. No. We lived through this whole thing. We saw this whole thing. You mean to tell me we're worse than the Buccaneers? Are you freaking serious? So there's just no way you can get around it in my view. None at all. No, and, and just, you know... My last little thought on this, I'll use the Steelers at five as an example. Pittsburgh is a small market, correct? What's the population of Pittsburgh and its surrounding cities? Just take, give me a ballpark figure, anything. Oh, geez, man. And I, I live I live an hour from there, and I have a hard time telling you. I'm guessing roughly metropolitan, two million. Roughly. Okay. I'm so, in, in the city, roughly metropolitan. Yeah, so just to give you an idea of a comparison, um, I live in one of the smallest cities in California. It's only a couple square miles, and we have 27,000 people in a tiny little couple square mile city in just a small part of the county of Los Angeles, okay? The city, um, one of the, the city I grew up in is a tiny one, too, not too far from here, and it has 101,000, Okay. So we're talking little suburbs of Los Angeles that are smoking cities like Pittsburgh and population, like getting you know up in there, right? So how can the Steelers be that high if their population over there is so low, right? 
It doesn't even make sense. What does that tell you? That there's bandwagon fans all over the world with Steelers jerseys on. That's exactly what it tells you, and that's a fact. I've seen it my whole life. Well, you can, but there's also another fact that gets missed out as well, that that can go the opposite way and lobbies, Rust Belt cities like Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, St. Louis, uh, Chicago. These people... The, these cities lose people as they get jobs. I mean, where do they go? Los Angeles, Dallas, Miami. They're transient fans for a reason. They, a lot of times, you're not sticking around the Midwest. So it could flip around the other way, and, and you don't really, there's, with all that in mind, you don't really have a way to gauge that properly. So the study no. to me is completely worthless. It is. You can't. Like I said, there's too many variables involved to get it right. It's impossible. It's all a right, waste so, of time. Yeah, so... Here we go, folks. Before we move on, we just want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. So if you want to learn more about the Rams and their history, the bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood Teen, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams to the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Rebound players like Norman Brocklin, Elway, Crazy Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spend the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawks Book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and in paperback this September. Anywhere books are sold. Folks, I've read the book cover to cover. It's a solid read. It, all proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which is an organization that helps people get out of the gang life and back into being pro- productive members of society. Check it out. Again, it's Hollywood's Team Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. Okay, so this the previous discussion went way longer than I thought it would. It was a good one, don't get me wrong. But that moved things around to the second segment, and that is the controversy on Twitter today surrounding a guy that was it CN, CNF. Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna pronounce it the way it's spelled CN. Okay, so he has a, he's a he's an independent football journalist, I suppose, has a Patreon and everything. People support him, and he came out with a list of his top, you know, of, of his basically ranked the teams. He had the Rams at 14, which I think is silly. They're not 14th, but he, he make, you can make an argument for it, sure. You can make an argument on any team being lower than you thought they were. I, I can't dispute that. But in the course of explaining his thoughts, he stated that the, his reasons, his reasons were Gurley's knee, quote, is disintegrated. <laughs> okay. He completely, I love it. He noted the, the absence of Roger Saffel, which, by the way, is valid. And I think you mentioned Goff as well. Was it was it Goff you mentioned? I'll read it to you. So it says, Todd Gurley's knee has disintegrated. Roger Saffold has departed. If you think the Rams are about to be one of the very best teams in the league, you have, you have to assume Jared Goff is also one of the very best QBs in the league. Well, I'm not going to assume he is one of the best QBs in the league. He showed it over the last two years. So that's a stupid thing to say right off the bat. Well, I would say um, we just had this discussion, do we not? I think on this show, top 12, I think. I, we had them ranked based on, just depending on who's talking, top 12. Okay? That's a very good quarterback, and he's only going to get better, I think. He's just going to get better and better in that offense. 
I can't really dispute Roger Saffold. We have no idea how our new guard will perform, Joe Noteboom, and, um, of course, Brian Allen there at center. We don't know. We have word from guys like Vinny Bonsignore that, hey, these guys were developing all year last year. They play a lot the first team. They're going to be ready. At least we believe they are. Though I took issue with one thing. because it, People have to understand me. I have been covering the Rams in one form or another since late 2010. I wrote for Yahoo Sports as a part of their contributor program. I eventually branched off in open Rams talk. I take journalism very seriously. I take covering the Rams very seriously, and I have little tolerance for things that aren't true. And those of you who have seen my work or heard me in the podcast know this about me already. I just don't tolerate it. And when he said that Gurley's knee is disintegrated, I took issue with that because here's the reality. What's your evidence of this? He doesn't have any. There is none. So in the course of, I, I called him on it, in the course of discussion, he, talk, he he points at all these different injuries he's had and all these different things trying to explain how the knee works and how this works. And here's the reality. I don't need to know all that stuff. I don't. Because one thing, has he seen the medical reports on Todd Gurley? Has he seen the actual condition of his knee? Nope. And, and that's that's the reality of it. You can make all the claims you want in the world. And this is the this is going back to our show last week, dude, about talking about how I'm getting tired of this Todd Gurley stuff. But if you're going to say that the Rams are in trouble because his knees disintegrated. Well, what's your evidence of that? You don't know. He kept going back at me about, well, you know he was reporting he has arthritis. Well, I never denied he had arthritis. I never denied there's not a problem. But I don't know either how the depth of the problem, how deep it goes, and if it's fixable or not in terms of this year. If I think you and I would both be honest and say Todd's career is going to be shortened. We'd say that's fair assessment to make, right? It could be. I mean, it could not be. I mean, look at... Look at Frank Gore, man. He annihilated his knees in his last year in college. Sure. sure. Yeah, and he's look how long he's played. He's and, one of the top leading rushers in NFL history. And I, I made and it's funny because when I made the point to him, I talked about everything ranging from recovery time to genetics. He tried to pick apart these words, and I and he he actually made finally mentioning genetics. You mean to tell me that we have certain people out there? whose genetics don't work in their favor for recovering from an injury? Because Frank Gore is living evidence of that. Yeah, he is. That's absolutely true. I, I just don't... I think it's intellectually dishonest. I think it's basically bad journalism. I'm not calling him a bad journalist. I'm saying it's bad journalism because you cannot make this claim about somebody, a person, in their career, in their livelihood, without evidence and expect to not get called on it. It's bad journalism. If you're going to make a statement like this, show your work. Show your evidence. And it became abundantly clear the entire time he had no evidence. He was just saying something that, in, that he knew would annoy Rams fans when he, made the, when, he, geez, when he made the post. Yeah, he's trying to get clicks. He don't have a job at ESPN no more. He's trying to get some attention. He's just garnering negative attention. And his tweet 
was exactly what a fan of an opposing team like the 49ers would put out there. That sounded like a troll tweet to me. That's how I read it. You know, I'm like, really? That's you're you're supposed to be in the media. You have a blue check mark, and that's how you're gonna roll. You you look like a troll. That's just it. it looked it was really immature, Ram fan or not. Honestly, I don't even know the guy. Uh, you just say he worked at ESPN. Had no clue. yeah, yeah. I know he, he is. He, yeah, go look him up. I mean, I didn't care, and I don't care. I care about whoever you are. If you are a journalist in this field, you better be freaking right. I can tell you at Rams Talk, we've made our mistakes. All right, but every time we make a mistake and we find her or someone calls it out to us, we'll correct it and we'll own it. We will own it. Yeah, man, there's nothing wrong with being wrong, okay? It's what's wrong is when people won't admit they are. It's pathetic and it shows you're a soft person and you're not willing to evolve and show humility. That was the entire thread, though, wasn't it? I mean, I went through over... I didn't have to say much of anything. I kept repeating the same thing over again. Dude, where is your evidence? You don't have the evidence. If this no. is true, then show the evidence. That's all you really have to say, because in the end, that's what matters. And yet, I'm the bonehead. I'm the dunce. I'm the one who's dense. Now, again, you could... He might have all those problems in his knee. It might be near obliterated, and he will have limited time left. But the reality is is there's been no credible report out there stating more than the obvious that he has arthritis. Well, no kidding. We kind of figured that out. But we don't know how bad it is. We don't know the status of any cartilages in there or not there. We don't know the status of the repairs made to his knee, if they're frayed or there's any problems with it. We don't know anything. The only thing we know is he wore down late in the year based off an injury we know took place in week one, by the way. It wasn't on a new injury. It didn't just pop up. He was struggling all year at the injury, played very well. And one point I wish I would have brought it to him, if everything you say is reality, and everything you're saying is true, then how on earth did he actually run the fastest run of his season in the Dallas game? Yep. Yeah, he played a great game. In, the, in that playoff game, I was there. I saw it in person. Okay. He, look, he's having issues. It is what it is. We don't know how long he's going to last. But the fact of the matter is, when you don't have an actual injury, you don't have to put it on the, the injury report. And arthritis is not an injury. Okay. It's a condition. So it is what it is. I'm not going to worry about it. We drafted another running back. It's. You know, at the end of the day, I always try to tell everybody, don't get too attached to players. That's why I don't buy a lot of players' jerseys unless I think they're going to the Hall of Fame, you know. Um, but it's it's the horns that I follow. Yeah, I mean, know? for me, now that Aaron Donald is going to be with us for the majority now of the rest of his prime career, I feel comfortable buying his jersey because I know he's going to the Hall of Fame. I know he'll be known for the rest of his life as a Ram. I can look at, say, gee, who else? I, I can think of. That is going to be around for a while. Jared Roger, Goff. Yeah, Jared Goff. I think also, honestly, Roger Saffold. He played it for so long. Going back, I'd be, I'd be willing to go get a jersey of his because I, he is going to be known as a Ram. Yeah, Period. of course. These guys were long-term Rams. And the same for me as a baseball fan. I'm a big, I'm a big Angels fan. So for me, Mike Trout, you signed a 12-year deal. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be an Angel. I feel safe buying his jersey. Other than that, nope, nope, nope not doing it because in the end it's about the logo it's about the horns it's about the team and not the individual and by no. the way 
And no disrespect to the players, you know, no disrespect to any of those guys, man. They put their bodies on the line. I played for 11 years. I know my back is done because of it. So I, I'm, I'm with those guys, man. I feel from every day. But like I said, I can't get too attached. Aaron Donald is the most attached I've been to a player in the history of my fandom. And because when I saw him coming out of college, I just saw greatness and a lot of people missed it. And I, I didn't care how tall he was. I didn't care about none of that stuff, man. I saw somebody who was violently vicious on the field and wasn't going to let nobody mess with him on any given day. And he just has what it takes on and off the field to be one of the greatest players in NFL history. He, I'm a fanboy for him, dude, but he's earned it, you know, but most other players, I just, I don't get too attached, you know, cause I just don't, I see him coming in and out all the time. But also, I mean, by the way, if we're, if we're being honest about players or looking at even guys like Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald's skill set and his size will actually work against him as he gets above 30 here soon, because at that point in time, that first thing you're going to start losing is usually speed, and he relies on the speed in the inside. So even greats like Aaron Donald will head into the twilight of their career. But we appreciate who they are now and what they did for the uniform. Yeah, exactly. And I'm interested to really pay attention to him as he does get older, because I think he might be a, able to go a little bit further further than the average player. I think he's just special. I think as much as he's in the weight room, he could be a 35-year-old guy and just take out, you know, these 22, 23-year-old offensive linemen that are coming in the league and just beat them to a pulp. Is he just going to have that old man strength? It it will just depend, though, on how because he realizes also that 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 man, that amazing combination of speed that goes with that power. It just depends on how much of that speed he can keep. If he can keep the majority of it, then that can happen. Just depends on how much he keeps, especially when he crosses thirty. But we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. I'm just yeah. talking overall in terms of the, the team, the horns, and one more thing also about this this guy's assessment here. Talking about running backs, it's almost like he did not notice the Rams addressed the running back position. The draft would possibly could make the argument with argument for the best running back in the draft. Yeah, he can make that argument. So. The Rams go out there and address the situation who at the very least this guy can can make a big difference in the offense and you still use that as a reason why they're going to go all the way down to 14 this year. I'm sorry, man. Your logic is flawed. It is. And to and no, no disrespect to Roger or John Sullivan or, you know, any of the guys that we lost that aren't going to start for the team this year, but I'm not really that worried, man. I think that we're building something like the Patriots kind of do where you just get the right players and you teach them and you plug and play. I think that's what we're building. And I I know we need to see that, but this is going to be our first year to be able to dive into that subject and to keep observing it as we go annually, right? Paying attention to see if we can be like teams like the Patriots that can just say, this is what we do. We need these types of people and we need these types of players, right? And you need cerebral players to play in successful franchises because there's a lot of great physical players like Lamarcus Joyner that relied on his speed and his athletic ability but doesn't want to get in the film room and that's why he's gone because he's not where he's supposed to be you won't have that problem with guys like Eric Weddle because they're not as fast they weren't born physically as gifted as guys like Lamarcus Joyner so guess what he's going to do he's going to circumvent that with brains 
right? You got to win somehow. You can't always be the fastest or strongest guy. Sometimes you can just be the smartest guy like Tom Brady. Let's be honest. Tom Brady's not an athlete. He's a, you know, 40-something-year-old hipster. Dude, it <laughs> looks like he hasn't lifted a weight in his life. He, he does not look like an NFL quarterback. He looks like a, a Calvin Klein model, dude, that hasn't eaten in three weeks. But yet, he has all those Super Bowl championships. Why? Because he's smart. Okay? Smart dude, and prepares well. Yep. That's what he did. All right, folks, it is almost time for, for us to hit the road. We do want to do our tour and leave visit with the Detroit Lions. Before we do, we do want to let you know that we are looking for sponsors for the 2019 season. So, hey, reach out to us at ramstop1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. And also, don't forget, we have another podcast on the network now if you're an Angels fan. Talking Halos, check it out. And that's all I got. Without further ado, this is... Our look at the Detroit Lions as part of the Toronto League. Check it out. All right, folks. I am here with Eric Slip from the Lions Wire, among many places. You're everywhere with the Lions. Matter of fact, where are you, the Lions, right now? Uh, well, you know, I, I've, I'm doing a lot right now with the Lions. Um, writing, of course, for Lions Wire. I have a podcast called the Detroit Lions Breakdown, which is. Uh, affiliated with the Lions Wire as well. They picked up, uh, it was a podcast I originally created on my own, and then they, uh, Lions Wire picked it up uh, to be their official podcast. And so uh, those are those are my main outlets right now. It's, and that's why I wanted to ask. I know things change a little bit over time, so make sure I sure. had it all right. And when we talked last year, there were a lot of things going on with you know, Matt Patricia and some of the Christian he was facing, and that's where I want to go just to kind of get things started. How do you evaluate his first season as a head coach? And is that Christian he faced early on gone away, or is there a new Christian now? You know, I think he he got a little bit of a, of a pass on the rack, on the, uh, the team's record just because, you know, people were expecting some – bumps in the road because of it being a new system and, and really having to do a complete overhaul with most of the roster mm-hmm. going from uh, Jim Caldwell over to, uh, to this system. Now he, he definitely received a lot of different criticisms uh, throughout the year based on how he handled uh, certain game situations or interactions with the press. Uh, you know, obviously there was some tension at the beginning of his tenure, uh, but there were some there were some rookie, you know, head coach mistakes that he made with the press corps along the way as well, which didn't help his cause. Uh, whenever you have a losing record, that of course is going to draw a lot of criticism from the fans. But I, I think most of all, people believe that the Lions are are a better team than what their record showed, but. Um, you know, they're, they're still definitely going to be holding him responsible uh, moving forward. But I think, you know, he's he's still got some leash uh, before they really start tightening the screws on, on him. But it's going to happen quick because his buddy Quinn, who uh, Bob Quinn, the general manager who hired him, he was around two years earlier. And so while both of them are on new five-year contracts, or at least a year into their new five-year contracts, uh, you know, I, I think... They they're gonna have to start making you know they're gonna have to start producing pretty soon or uh, it's it's gonna get a lot uglier here. So looking back on the Lions, I mean I was there for the Rams Lions game. I saw a team that gave the Rams all kinds of fits. As a matter of fact, gave teams after them a blueprint for how to beat the Rams. Yeah. But I also saw a team, especially offensively, that had a lot of guys hurt. So how much mm-hmm. did injuries hurt the Lions in 2018? And are they a better team on paper now? Yeah, on paper they're a better team. 
um, on both sides of the ball. Defensively, it, it they've really improved. Uh, offensively, it's really to be determined because injuries were a big part of the problem, uh, especially when it came time to face the Rams. Uh, they just they didn't have the horses to hold up with the Rams. Um, you know, they played a good game for three quarters, uh, and then when they hit that fourth quarter, they just they lost their steam. They didn't have the endurance. They didn't have the, the depth. And uh, and then the Rams were able to, uh, you know, take take things over in the fourth quarter. And you know, got a, a very well earned victory there. Uh, but it's there's been all there's there's still some question marks on offense. And, and it's be, you know they've made some pretty significant moves. And there's a really big uh, philosophy change coming up because they hired a new offensive coordinator in Daryl Bevel. Uh, but there are a lot of questions around that. You know, Bevel took the year off after being in Seattle for so long, and so there's, you know, we're not quite sure, uh, you know, from a media perspective what we're uh, going to get out of him. And then um, you're changing the style of the offense. So you're, you're adding um, more tight ends. You're looking to try and run the ball more to, you know, establish the ground control. And so there's there's a lot of changing parts going on with offense. The defense, it's, it's totally different. It's... It's solidified. It is. They've added more depth to it. Uh, when you look position by position, they've gotten better and deeper at pretty much every spot, uh, with the exception of, of maybe safety. And I can elaborate on that a little bit later. But um, you know, they they've made some nice strides. But the offense is really where the question marks lie because uh, once they traded away Golden Tate last year, and then they had injuries to Marvin Jones and Karrion Johnson, and and it just they just couldn't overcome those. And so have they added enough depth pieces? Have they, have they added enough skill players? Um, that's, that's going to be the thing that I think is really going to determine whether or not the Lions have any success in uh, 2019. Now they've been really active overall, which moves though concern you the most heading into the season. Like you, you talked about some of the big things they did, but are there moves that think you, uh, you know what? I'm not sure about this at all. Yeah, yeah. The two biggest losses from this team is they had two aging veterans in TJ Lang, who was their starting right guard, and, and um, Glover Quinn, who was their uh, single high safety. And both of them were released in this offseason. TJ Lang then subsequently retired. Uh, it sure looks like Glover Quinn is going that same route, uh, even though he hasn't yet, he's, he's yet to file the paperwork. But those were two big leadership pieces, uh, one on either side of the ball. And at safety, there was a plan in place. Uh, the year prior, they had drafted Tracy Walker in the third round. They prepped him all last year. Uh, they got him ready. They, they really put in the time, and, and he seems ready to step up and take a, a starting role. And, and there's shouldn't be a big drop-off from, from what we uh, saw from Quinn, especially at the end of his career. Um so that seems to be okay, and then they've also they added another third rounder at the safety spot in Will Harris this season. So they've they've done well with safety to try and um, account for Quinn moving on, but at right guard they they haven't done a whole lot, and and that's I think the most glaring hole on this team is what's going to happen at right guard. T.J. Lang was uh, a fixture. He was a leader, but he couldn't stay healthy. He had uh, multiple concussions last year. He ended up going on IR. He only played like six games. Uh, I think maybe he played in seven. Uh, but 
his loss was significant last year. And, and Kenny Wiggins, who was his replacement, is still around. Uh, but he ended up, he was a bit underwhelming, I would say. And, and so they brought in some competition for him in Ode Yabushe. But he is not a you know massively inspiring player where you're like okay this is going to solidify the right guard spot and then they didn't they didn't draft anyone and they added a free agent and or and under a couple undrafted free agents to compete for the spot and they they of course have uh, Tyrell Crosby that we uh, talked about I think last time we were uh, last time we got together here sure. yeah and Crosby seems very natural to slide into that spot and and and, and if and if they're willing to move him in then I have almost no concerns about the right guard's position. But all indicators are they're keeping Crosby at the tackle spot because there's some questions about Decker and Wagner's future long-term. And so, uh, you know, that right guard spot is the, is the biggest question mark moving forward. Explain to me a little bit more about the draft in terms of how you gridded it out. How do you feel you did overall, and how far will it go in building this team for the long term? You know, I, I think the one thing that we've – in the media, in the Detroit media, have tried to express to fans uh, this draft season was that the Lions don't run a conventional defense, and they don't have a draft board that's going to mirror any of the national draft boards. So when you, when we are all as as fans of the draft are, are looking at these uh, rankings from all over the place. Those rankings are for multiple different, you know, they, they, these um, evaluators rank guys for every system, right? And, and the line system is unique. And because of that, the, the, there's not a lot of matching up. So there's going to be situations where the lines are going to take a guy that fits them, but he doesn't fit real well on the national media board. And so people say, oh, it's a reach. And we've tried to say, or at least I've tried to say a lot, and my team at Lions Wire has tried to say a lot. It, it just because it's it looks like a reach on you know X analyst board, it doesn't mean it was necessarily going to be a reach. And if when we point to the fact that Quinn has done this the last couple of years, where he's had guys that he's reached on that are now starters on this team, and so it looks from a from a national perspective, if you line them up, the draft class looks subpar. But in reality, when you look at the collective whole of the draft class and where they filled holes and, 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 the, and the types of additions that they made, it looks pretty solid. And, and when you add that into the moves they made in the free agency, you know, they've, they've gotten better across the board. Now, would I have preferred them to go a different direction? Sure. I mean, I thought there were some other different players on the board. But again, I'm not in that war room. I, I don't have the, the grand picture in mind. So you just have to... You know, you have to step back and look at it. You can't say, um, you know, it's it's never going to be, a, a, Lions are never going to be a team that gets A's anymore. If you recall, when Matt Millen drafted, he got A's every year. And those teams in those draft classes were miserable. And so <laughs> this is this is the opposite. This is a class, this is a Lions organization that's going to get B's and or, or even lower. And they're going to get C's and they're going to be like, oh, they reached on this guy. And then that guy, you know, ends up starting or, and so it's hard to really ascertain exactly like a, a grade that you can put on it just mm-hmm. because they, they value things in, in a such, in such a different manner than, than some of the, you know, traditional, you know, draft, you know, outlooks. You know, the, the thing too, when you talk about grade and I look at that and I think well, the last couple of Rams drafts have been so similar. Like you, we've seen so many folks panning our drafts and how, 
the maneuvering around and pick guys you wouldn't think were sexy picks. But the Rams in the last two years especially have really hit on especially mid-round picks that nobody else really liked. <laughs> I mean, nobody knew why we're taking these guys. And, and all of a sudden we have two guys who are going to come in this year and start that were didn't even play last year more than a couple snaps. And they've been sitting there running back and, and doing the developing. So I totally get the idea of the grades don't matter anymore. It's about how these guys fit. And I think that's one way the NFL is evolving, and these drafting analysts who have to give grades have to give grades. We're on board with that. Yeah, it, what's interesting with Detroit is that when they walked away from last their 2018 draft, most people said it's not a, it wasn't a good draft, and and they're not going to get any value really out of it. You know, Frank Ragnow was is going to be a, a plug and play starter, but beyond that, you know, what's going to happen? They had four player they, they had six draft picks four of them started uh or three of them started last year four of them will start this year and uh if you count the fullback who was on ir who is now the only fullback on the roster he's their starting fullback and if tyrell crosby is shifts in the right guard and he becomes the right guard starter then all six of those draft picks start on this roster in 2019 so going back to the moves you made you, you got cj anderson a guy who came in and, and yeah. Really saved our butts late in the year. Sure. Yeah, he looked great with the Rams. Yeah, he did, and he was just a different even different runner than he was in Denver. He was bigger, he was, he was out of shape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what he was. But he ran like a guy for that with that body. And uh, with him in mind, and looking back at the past couple of years with Detroit running the football, well, let's just be honest, they really have not run the football. What's the right. plan now with all these different guys you're bringing in and do you have confidence that this will be the year the Lions finally establish a running game? Well, you know, I think they, they established it last year up until Carrion got hurt. And, and I, I believe that they were confident that LeGarrette Blunt could be a, uh, a competent uh, backup who could spell Carrion and keep him healthy and, and not put a lot of pressure on the rookie. And uh, that, unfortunately, was uh, misguided. Uh, Blunt definitely looked his age and uh, he ended up not being able to execute as, as a starter when carry on went down, but carry on was really, he really changed the game for, for the lions. And, you know, they hadn't had a hundred yard rusher since Reggie Bush, right. In like 2006. Mm-hmm. And, or I'm not sure if that, I can't remember call if that was year, but it sure seems like it. Uh, and carry on it too you know, in his 11 games. And he was close to it on, a, on another couple. And he was well on his way to 1,000 yards when he got injured. And so Carrion has really become this uh, dynamic runner who has really got a bright future ahead of him. But you have to be very leery of his injuries. And uh, you, you they have to be cautious of them. And, that, and that's why adding a guy like C.J. Anderson makes a lot of sense. You're just hoping that you're getting the Rams version of C.J. Anderson and not the Panthers ver- version of C.J. Anderson. And, and that's that's really kind of the rub. Uh, they still have Theo Riddick. They still have uh, Zach Zenner. They drafted Ty Johnson, the speedster out of Maryland. And so there's pieces that are there, um, but they really don't have a true 1B if C.J. Anderson uh, like I said, is is the, what, the, what he was at the beginning of the year, not at the end of the year. So that's the real question. Okay, so all that said, yep. did the Lions do enough to be able to compete for a playoff berth next year? Where do they stand in the NFC North, and how many wins right now, just on paper, 
you think you could scratch in for them? Oh gosh, you know they were they were uh, you know a six win team last year. There were probably three games where a player two could have given them nine wins. Um, I don't think they were a nine win team by any stretch, but it, you could argue they were a seven or eight win team, and I think they're better than that. So I, I, I think they could be an eight win nine win team uh, based on their schedule and based on their defense. Uh, the, the the additions that they've made on defense are really going to be impactful, and it might be able to, if their defense can hold up you know, at the beginning of the season and do what they're expected to do, it can give this offense time to, you know, acclimate, right? They've, they've added some pieces. Uh, they, they, they have a concept, but again, we haven't really seen it happen. You know, this has been a really big shift. They, they're going from what is, was primarily an 11 personnel base to now they're, they're expected to run primarily a 12 personnel base mm-hmm. and they want to run that they want to run first. And so that'll be a very different change from what we're, uh, what we've seen in, in Detroit over the last you know couple of decades. All right, Eric, thanks so much for coming on. Of course. Can you let people know where they can find you? Yeah. The, the easiest way to find me is on Twitter. It's uh, at Eric Schlitt, E-R-I-K-S-C-H-L-I-T-T. I, uh, I think I, since the last time I talked to you, I've, I've, I've gotten a promotion, so I'm also running the LionsWire account. Uh, and I uh, write at the LionsWire, which is part of the USA Today social uh, uh, you know, network. And I also have a podcast, and you can find all of that if you find me online. I have connections. I have you know links to all that in my bios and stuff like that. So that's the best way to get me. And just to be just to put this out there, you know, I'm yeah, I am Rams guy through and through. But if there's a team mm-hmm. in the NFC you want to see do something, I, I gotta say it's the Lions. It's just yeah, it's been so many years. Uh, when I went up to the game last no, last year, I was really impressed. Well, well, I was impressed twofold with all the drunks. Who felt the inherent need to bug us? <laughs> My buddy uh, Norm, he's like six five, three fifty, and somebody had the inherent need to, to try and intimidate him all drunk, and <laughs> Norm really scared the life out of him. Um, but just the going going to Ford Field and just the service was great. The people were great. The the way people hand themselves going in and out of the game, the zip line coming into the stadium. I mean, it was just cool stuff. It was a fun place to watch a game. And given all the issues that Detroit has had as a city and over the years, I would really like to see the Lions finally do something consistent instead of the up and downs, up and downs, down some more. And now we're here we are talking about a rebuild. Mm-hmm. I hope that's worth something from someone across the league. Well, yeah. I mean, look, it, it's a, it's a they're they're a good story if they can if they can put it together. And, and in all honesty, it's they they made a lot of the necessary changes they made last year. Now they're making the other half of those necessary changes, um, and so it, it on paper it sure looks like they're moving in the right direction. Uh, we just you know you got to see it happen on the field. All right, Eric. Thanks so much for coming to the show. We'll hopefully talk to you again next year. All right, sounds good, Derek. Thanks All for having right, me on. Care. All right, man. You ready to hit the road? Yeah, man. That was fun. All right. So, folks, don't follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We also have a group, Rams Talk Room, because Facebook's algorithms are not fun. 
You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo and Tommy at Ram Tommy in LA. Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those wonderful places. And IEBeatRail.com plays our shows on Sundays and Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. For Tommy and the entire Rams Talk staff, this is Derek C. Apollo saying take it easy. We're out of here and hopefully no more Twitter wars break out while we're away. Have a great one. We're out. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.